You know, everybody knows that they need content. They need it for their business. They need it to grow. They need it to get the word out. But a lot of times people just create content that they don't really have a goal behind it. They don't really understand what they're doing with it, what should result from it. I spoke with Brad Smith. He is all over the place on content. He knows it. He's an expert. He's been doing it for years. He helps people do it. He has a company, Codeless. He has another company, Wordable, and another one, Usurp. He has many different ways that he helps people with their content. And he shared some of his best, most advanced tips around how to make sure your content is doing what you need it to be and not doing something that you don't need it doing. Take a look. Welcome to Sastery in the Making, the podcast that features the people who made the software world what it is today and the leaders who are shaping the future of technology. Here's your host, Matt Wallach. Yes. Welcome. Welcome. This is Sastry in the Making. And I am your host, Matt Wallach. Really, really glad to have you here with us. So thank you for coming. Thanks for watching. Thank you for listening. And I'm really delighted to be joined by my special guest today, Brad Smith. Brad, how you doing? I'm great, Matt. How are you? I'm also, also great. Really wonderful day here today. So Brad, let me tell everybody about you. Brad is the founder and CEO of Codeless. This is a content production company that combines strategy, SEO, writing, design, and video. And they're doing some really cool things. I can't wait to dive into that. He's also the CEO at Wordable, which instantly exports Google Docs into WordPress. That sounds slick. He's also a partner at Usurp, which is an agency that helps you connect with leading SaaS, e-com, SEO, tech, business, and marketing sites to boost your brand authority. So once again, Brad, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, of course. Looking forward to this. I am too. So before we get started, just tell me a little bit about what's been going on with you lately and what's coming up. <laughs> uh, a lot has been going on, I guess, <laughs> as you can tell, as you can tell no from kidding. reading that. Uh, yeah, we've been doing a bunch of cool stuff uh, under all, all the different brands. Uh, a lot of my time now, I'm, I'm, I think we'll get into this, uh, taking a peek at some of the initial leading questions. Um, we'll get into kind of more of the details, but basically a lot of my time now is spent on like new things, things that aren't working well, and kind of like the longer term outlook and vision and direction for all these things. So it's really about like, how do we get more good people? Uh, around us? How do we get more processes and systems built out? How do we kind of prove or disprove things? That's kind of where I spend a lot of my time, which is fun in that it's constantly kind of evolving and experimentation and, and changing, but there's also a lot of like false starts and dead ends and things that don't work. And so uh, it's just kind of a, a never ending process, I guess, of, of learning really, which is, which is fun at the end of the day. That's great. Learning is always where it's at. And, and I think it is interesting. You're right. You've got a lot going on. I mean, you're CEO or partner or leading three different companies. How do you manage it so well? Uh, the easy answer is that, um, like, you know, good people. And uh, we are very systems and process oriented. So I think one of the things that we've done well, and I think more marketers should get better at this stuff is like the boring operations. Uh, it's like, how do you actually like get things done? How do you actually scale things? How do you actually um, even delegate? You see this like in, in con the content space a lot, for example, where you get like a writer or someone gets promoted as like the editor now. But the problem is that those skill sets are often opposing where an editor, a writer needs to like have ingenuity and say the same thing multiple different ways. An editor needs to thrive on consistency. And so when that happens, the writer starts to break down as an editor because they try to like rewrite everything and make it sound like them. Um, and what that basically is saying is like this, this person doesn't understand how to delegate. 
And most people don't look at it that way, but that's basically what the problem is. After have you know have been doing this for a long time, um, it's the same. They don't they don't have concrete guidelines around what content should look like, what's good versus bad, objective things, not subjective things like oh it doesn't sound right. Um, and so I think we've been able to get really good at those problems, at solving those types of problems of how do you scale something that is subjective, that is hard. Uh, and and putting really good people around to run those things, and so I, I once it's working really well, I try to get the hell out of the way because I'm a tinkerer, and that that's not good uh, when things are running smoothly and people are thriving on consistency either. So um, yeah, I think that's part. The other part of it too is like they're all very related, so it's one big problem that we're all working on together, uh, and it's not like a restaurant and a retail shop and all these like totally completely separate things that have nothing to do with each other. Sure. It definitely works when it all kind of comes together. I love what you have as your headline on your website. It says <laughs> writers suck at marketing and marketing marketers suck at writing. It is very true. They are different skill sets, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a weird hybrid where you need both. Uh, but often the people that do one are not good at the other and vice versa. And I think that's, I, ha I had a weird background in that sense and that I worked in house at marketing for a long time. And then I started having a lot of success with freelance writing for a lot of big websites. And the reason I think that I was good at that was because I had the deep subject matter expertise already. And I understood the marketing angle as well. And so I think we've tried to like carry that through to everything we do now where we don't just, you know, want to create things that sound good and look good and, and all that. that that's all important, obviously. Uh, and the intangibles are important. But then the other side of it is, well, if you're going to go to all this expense of, of, uh, of doing all this stuff, then we need it to work for the long term, too. And that takes a lot of marketing and SEO and other stuff. So, yeah, no kidding. You know, I want to ask you. So, speaking of all that content and such, how does creating better content help SaaS companies become more successful? Yeah, for sure. So, a lot of it has to do with the business model on one side, uh, and also too, if you think about venture-backed SaaS companies, they have a ticking time bomb when they raise a lot of money. Uh, and okay. that they have to deploy that money as fast as possible and get results for it. Going back to the business model, SaaS is unique in that you, unlike the old days where maybe you have to pay like a thousand bucks for a piece of software, you'd get all that money up front. You're actually doing negative cash flow. So you are uh, only making 10 bucks a month and your lifetime value might be a thousand bucks still on that customer, but it might take a year to pay that off. And so you're fronting all this heavy capital expenditure, both in terms of development costs, product costs, um, but also just in customer acquisition. If you pay a hundred bucks per customer on a Google ad, um, you know you might only make ten bucks, so it might take you ten months to pay that off. Uh, and that's puts you in a, a really bad negative cash flow position. And what content and SEO does is it allows you to scale acquisition costs more effectively, meaning instead of paying a hundred bucks per customer, um, it might cost you that much, you know in the early days when you're ramping up, uh, all the all the investment and everything else, but once over the years three, four, five, six plus, uh, your ROI gets greater and greater and greater because you don't have to keep spending as much like per unit per person, all that fun stuff. So that's like that's a nerdy explanation, but it's basically it's a really good fit for uh, reaching a lot of people at scale more effectively than auction based ads, which always get more expensive over the long term. Um, so it becomes a, a much bigger investment. The other thing with SaaS too, especially if like we're talking B2B SaaS is it tends to be more complicated, which means longer buying cycles, bigger purchases, more complicated. So you have it, it lends it also lends itself well to like the current environment of people want to do their research online without talking to you or talking to yep. a sales rep. 
and they like our best customers or clients, for example, usually close within 30 days, not because we're amazing at sales. It's because they are before they reach out, they already know they want to work with us or they know they want to work with us or one other company. So they're doing like months worth of research largely through content before they even kind of get to our doorstep. And it's the same with a lot of SaaS companies. Yeah, I totally agree with our clients. We call that being warmed up during that time before you're actually interacting with them. You can warm them up and get them ready, get them more connected to your brand and your philosophies, get them more believing in what you can do and how you can solve their problems. That way, when they get there, they're already very well informed. It's kind of like, yep. you know, not an industry I know very well, but I've been on the consumer side is buying a car. Like who yeah. goes to the dealership? Like, I've never seen this car. Tell me all about it. No, you've yep. probably already looked it up. You've seen the commercials. You think it looks cool. You've already kind of seen all the specs. And so people are much more informed these days. And you've got to be able to kind of own that conversation with content, getting them, like yep. we say, getting them warmed up. I love it. Great point. Totally. Yeah, I just got a car recently. So it's the exact same process. I even to, even to the point of like content takes many shapes and forms. Uh, they had like a price quote tool that I was using to estimate out payments based on like certain whatever down payments or certain types of vehicles I was looking at. So I had I had everything figured out and submitted like before I even showed up. All I did was walk in and sign a bunch of papers. So it's the same exact thing where it's you know tools. It's uh, it's it, it's creating resources and assets to help people kind of make those decision making and self select even. Um, so basically, all they have to do is is either sign up on the, their own or or basically talk to a sales rep just to kind of sign on the dotted line. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I like what you said earlier about how you can actually get long-term ROI because let's say you create a piece of content, it stays there for a while. I mean, I do all the mm -hmm. time and clicking around, reading articles, that articles from 2017, 2015. It's like, okay, well, it was written back then, but a lot of the stuff's still relevant. And so yeah. that content can last for a long time. So I want to ask you, so how can you create a piece of content that can go viral or that can stick around and continue to generate for you over time? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's I think it's important to break down. There are different types of content for different reasons. So for example, the type of content that might go viral might not also always rank super well for the long term or might not always convert at a high percentage. So we talk a lot about like, the. I'm sure most are familiar with like the buyer's journey kind of concept or idea. The whole the whole idea here is like often the type of content you're creating to go viral is often for like branding. It's often for awareness. It's often for recognition. A lot of that tends to be more top of the funnel. So you're solving uh, pain points and problems and you're educating and you're informing and you're entertaining too. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of the content that tends to be more heavily commercial or usually a little more evergreen. Um, it tends to be a lot more cut and dry as far as like interest goes, where it very much only interests the people looking for that specific mm -hmm. thing. Um, and so I think that's an important classification because there's no there's no like one size fits all or there shouldn't be because that that often means you're watering down one or the other. If, if you're trying to like tick all these buckets in one piece of content, I think that's a kind of important differentiation to make kind of off I, the bat. I, I think that's super smart. And that's why I love talking with experts in their field because that is next level. I haven't heard people kind of distinguish that. And that's so awesome that you and your team are able to do that. So you can kind of identify, hey, what's the goal of this piece of content versus that? And where yeah. are we kind of maybe short? I'm sure you're helping your clients with that all the time. For sure, a different people are involved. So I want a different type of writer for a, uh, like a, a very commercial, excuse me, commercial heavy intense type page. I'm gonna have a very different type of writer than someone I need something to go viral. Because something to go viral needs to be funny, it needs to be off the wall, unexpected, contrarian. There's usually like all these components of something there. Um, contrarian meaning like you take 
if everyone in the news is talking about one topic and one angle, one perspective on that topic, contrarian is going to come out and say, oh, no, you're all wrong. And here's why. Um, that kind of mindset, that type of person, even the individual writer is totally different usually from the person who's like, here's a comparison of these five brands and here's why each is better for different scenarios. Um, so yeah, you staff differently, you, you resource differently, you promote differently. Uh, viral content tends to be heavy ad spend, um, heavily influencer. So can we get influencer involved to help us? Like, in other words, you're bringing in a lot of referral traffic, um, referral traffic from other websites versus commercial type stuff, evergreen type stuff, way more focused on link building. Um, because you want to get a certain position and then maintain that position over the long haul. You don't really care as much about like a huge spike from getting mentioned on on one place. You need a bunch of little ones to kind of get that that consistent uh, growth over time. So so everything should be different. Uh, it's not always, and that's usually where companies hit roadblocks or have problems because they're kind of like mixing and matching the wrong tactics at the wrong times. Yeah, that's so true because I'm sure most people don't even think of it that way. And I know I don't, and I teach this yeah. stuff. So uh, definitely that's awesome that you already have the the understanding of how different it needs to be at each different stage and for different goals. But how can someone, you know, make content stand out? Can you give us some tips on that? Yeah, for sure. I think a big component of that, I like to think of it as like a balanced scorecard, meaning there might be like five to 10 different categories of like what makes content good. That's such a sure. big, broad, subjective uh, answer, you know, and it's going to be different yeah. depending on who you talk to. So there's the actual writing components. So is this person that typically involves, is this person a subject matter expert? Do they actually understand what they're talking about? Um, this becomes more or less important depending on the type of content you're producing, the space you're in. But if we're working with like a huge finance client and we need to have uh, an economics piece of content or writer talk to other investors, uh, their their BS meter is very high and they can mm -hmm. really quickly tell whether this person knows what they're talking about or not. Versus if we're just creating generic like uh, tutorial type content where it's like, here's step one, do this, step two, do this, step three, do this. like how to buy a new domain name or how to set up a new website. It's very much like process oriented, different type of writer again. Um, so that's like a huge component, I think, is just figuring out what type of writer do you need? And then also like the style component. So do you like short, snappy sentences where it moves a little faster, but it tends to be more informal? Or do you like more uh, formal, more sophisticated language, longer phrasing, longer paragraphs and sentences? Um, those two things tend to kind of figure out like what your overall voice and tone is going to be. And again, this is heavily dependent on the company. So we might have one writer on one client uh, who's a perfect fit, and that same writer is a terrible fit for another client just, just due to that style issue alone. So there's subject matter expert, everything else is great. It's just that little component of like, oh, they like to use contractions, and this client doesn't like contractions. They like very like long you know, prose or whatever. So that whole writing area is one. Um, SEO is another. So should you, are we targeting keywords and topics that are kind of in our wheelhouse and that we can actually rank for in the short term? Um, are we do, uh, doing a good job of actually lining up the content and answering search intent? Meaning someone searches for something uh, like how to make an old fashioned. Uh, and then are, are we creating content that actually answers that question and then provides additional resources? So like where to get their vermouth? I don't know. Like all the all the secondary kind of subset type, type questions and stuff and topics that come up. So that's all kind of like SEO-y search intent type stuff. 
Um, so so break, break it down into different categories, I guess, and compare it in different ways. Because it's not just grammar. That means if something's mm -hmm. good or bad, it's not just, like I said, the style or the tone. It's not just if something ranks well. You need to kind of like connect all the dots in an ideal world. I mean, you start talking about old fashions, you got me thinking, hey, when's happy hour? Like, <laughs> yeah. That's one of my favorite Not soon drinks. enough. Not soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, so people know they need to make content. I think a lot of people who are in this audience are software founders or software leaders. What are some of the mistakes that these software leaders make when they're trying to create content for their brand? What should they be avoiding? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, there's a few. Um, uh, on the one end, they they tend to get stuck in like one of two minds. We're going to create content that is like laser focused on our customers and our product, or it's laser focused on ranking well, uh, mm -hmm. and it doesn't do both well. You know, wow. so that that's one potential issue. Is is often like, especially if you think of something very very niche or niche, where it's like how do I don't know what's a what does a product leader do. Or what does a product leader's role look like? That's such a hard thing to answer. And so you can take it one of two ways. You can either like go towards the SEO route and say, okay, well, here's how much people are searching for it. And here's how, here's the semantic keywords or other topics and questions people ask when they come up with that. Or it's like, here's our unique perspective as a company, as a brand on this topic of what product, lead, mm -hmm. product leaders should be doing or should not be doing. Um, mm -hmm. And often those, those two lines don't intersect. So I think that's a huge, because people tend to get more focus on one or the other where they tend to get too focused on just the ranking aspect and not bringing it back to their their own brand and product or whatever or too much on their own perspective where they're like this uh this piece of content is not good because we would talk about it this way or we think product leaders should do something this way and not that way and it's like yeah well that stuff's good but it like it's so specific uh it's not gonna have like a wide appeal and a broad appeal to actually get a bunch of people interested in like in, in your methodology or whatever so that's kind of one problem in area of like, how do you find that happy medium? And then the other one would be around staffing and, and operations, which we can kind of get into. It's a whole other, it's whole other uh, uh, rabbit hole, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that that's a key thing. Cause I have a lot of my clients and their small teams. Maybe they've got some partners. They've got a few staff and I tell them, Hey, make sure content. That's a big part of your strategy. You've got to build authority. You got to build trust. You got to get stuff out there. So obviously they've got a lot going on. They've got a million things going on every second. So talk to me about that. When is the right time to go outsource on your content or bring in a writer or figure out someone else to do it for you? Yeah, definitely. I think to answer that question directly, often if you're creating more of the, what we would call bottom of the funnel, so more like commercial oriented content, more content around your personal brand, your brand story, all the intangibles about what makes you good or interesting, that stuff tends to be done better by someone internal because they're able to actually learn all that stuff and learn the ins and outs of the industry and all that. Um, if you're gonna spend more time actually focusing on like scale of how do we get more people you know, in the door and who know our brand in the first place, often, not always, but often that type of content's done better by external people because of scale. So it's much easier to build out a team of writers, build out a team of freelancers, um, go after a bunch of topics, still have good content. It just doesn't need to be as tied to like, your unique perspective on the world. Cause again, that, that's really hard to like make it consistent across a, a team of writers or a team of editors or whatever that, that don't live and breathe your own dog food all day, every day. And so that, that would probably be my best uh, advice um, 
for when to hire things in or out, it typically comes back to like, what type of content are you producing and why? And then the, the kind of scale question of like, well, are you trying to grow through this channel? Is that content just uh, there to provide uh, a narrative around your brand? And just and build trust help. for those who already know exactly. you. Exactly. All that yeah. stuff's important. You you might not need to scale that aggressively. You might be fine doing that in-house with like one or two kind of dedicated writers, content managers, whatever. Um, if you're looking to scale and you need out, high output, uh, usually it's better done by external resources. Got it. Got it. Okay. So what advice would you have for early stage software companies that know they need content as a strategy? What should they be doing from the early days? Uh, a couple things. Number one, documentation. So what kind of content do you want and why? And how should it look and how should it sound? So often people don't always know what they want to see or what they like. They often know what they don't like. So one of the ways we do this is we give them examples or we give them samples and we say, tell us what which ones you don't like and why um, and make it kind of concrete. So that helps us figure out, oh, okay, what they really mean is like they want this type of writer or this type of whatever. Um, from there, we usually, I usually recommend like hire multiple, hire and test multiple writers at the same time, and then pick the best one or two. Mm -hmm. So don't don't go into this thinking you're gonna like review twenty writers and then like pick one of them. You need to look at like hundreds, if not more, uh, and and whittle that down to like five, and then like wow. pay five of them to to give you a few pieces over the course of a few weeks or a few months. Then pick your top ones and and scale them up or hire them full time or give them a full workload from there. I think that's, it's kind of like salespeople in that sense where it's like, you don't really know what it's going to be like working with them and how good they're going to be a fit for you until you kind of work the kinks out like on the fly. So pay a few, just have that budgeted, pay a few, figure out who you like the best at that point and then scale them up from there. I think that's super smart. And I love how you tied it back to my world in sales because in sales, there's the old adage of if you need a salesperson, hire three and fire two. Yep. And yeah. it's kind of the same deal. Hire five writers from the hundreds that you looked at and figure out which one is the best for you. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. So much of it's based on fit and nailing fit out of the gate. If you don't know what you're looking for is, you know, next to impossible. So you're better off just like treating it like a big kind of experiment. Um, and then from there too, we also, we also try to recommend even in small companies, like try to have a separate content manager slash editor if you can from your writers, like don't always, don't always assume or expect that a writer is going to be a good editor for some of the reasons wow. we, we've already touched on. Um, try to have more of like someone with the operations mindset who's like watching deadlines, assigning things out, running processes in parallel. Uh, that's probably not going to be a writer. Uh, just, you know, hate to break it to you, but uh, that's not the personality and skill set of most writers. They're good at writing and being creative and, and coming up with something out of nothing. That's really difficult too. So you, you're often looking at like multiple roles working together and not just like one superhuman uh, who's either going to be really expensive, not available, you know, uh, there's going to be issues usually trying to find that quote unquote unicorn type hire. Yeah, absolutely. There's always issues trying to find a unicorn type hire, but Man, this is awesome, Brad. You have shared so much great stuff. I've learned a lot. I'm sure that everybody else else out there has learned a lot. This has been really fantastic. I want to make sure everybody can contact you. So how shall our audience learn more about what you're doing? Yeah, definitely. Uh, the best way is probably to go check out some of our sites. So Wordable.io is the software product that we bought and are relaunching and all that fun stuff. 
Um, we were a customer of that tool before we bought it and, and we're still, we still use it internally. So we still uh, spend a lot of time and money and everything else on people that we're going, that we're using auto, you know, software and out to automate, which should be great. Um, right. Codeless is getcodeless.com. That's where we do a lot of the strategy and the actual content production. And then usurp is U-S-E-R-P.io. It's like search engine result page. It's, a, uh, it's either a really clever or really stupid name, depending on, <laughs> depending on uh, if you get the joke or not, I guess, or, or whatever. But uh, yeah, that, that tends to do like all the distribution of the content we're creating. So one of those three sites you'll find, uh, you'll find me and you'll find some of the stuff we're up to. Okay, perfect. And we'll make sure we put that in the show notes if you're listening on the podcast or down below in the YouTube description if you're watching. But Brad, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. Uh, super fun. I always enjoy chatting about this uh, nerdy stuff that puts most people to sleep. So it's been enjoyable. <laughs> Good. I can see you're passionate about it. and That's important. <laughs> but uh, super awesome. So everybody else, thank you so much for coming. I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope you've learned as much as I have on all of this content marketing stuff. Make sure you are subscribed. Hit that subscribe button right now to make sure you don't miss out on any other amazing creators and innovators that are coming to you in the next few weeks. We got a lot of good stuff coming up, just like Brad sharing amazing things, just like he did. So thank you so much for coming and we will see you next time. Take care.